Hello and welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast, the show where we interview spearfishing experts, authorities and characters from around the world. To become a better Spiro, come and join our spearfishing community at noobspiro.com. I wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water, and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet, and I've never had a battle like that before in my life. But when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hotspots, it's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear, don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And I've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice, Great <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Oh wow, it's, it's just indescribable. Today we're speaking with Texas-based Spiro Ben Choi. Ben Choi is a specialist at diving oil rigs and man-made structure, so we talk to him all about the do's and don'ts of diving these structures. We also talk to him about his blackout event, uh, last year, he experienced a blackout whilst diving one of these rigs. A uh, pretty scary moment. So he he tells us and shares with us all about the uh, what's come about from that and how he's changed his his diving. All right, so enjoy the show. We interrupt this Noob Spiro interview <laughs> to bring you some shout-outs and a news bulletin. G'day, guys. Quick public service announcement. Adreno has got their famous Easter sale on. Now, I love this as a true blue tight ass. This is when I do most of my shopping. So Adreno's got major savings across the board. All your Rob Allen gear, pretty much everything in store has got some sort of discount of it. I love it. That's when I, that's when I shop. Shrek, you love it because you're an even bigger tight ass. The best thing about it is, is they can save not only on the sale, but if you're checking out online, use the Noob Spiro. What is it? A coupon? What is it? It's just a code. There's a code, a code spot in there. Just chuck in Noob Spiro. Save 20 bucks on all purchases over $200. And for all our European and US friends, you've really got to take advantage of the low Aussie dollar at the moment. Like you've got big savings to make there with that low Aussie dollar. So get online, check them out, save yourself a bundle. Huge range of gear, all the best stuff, all the brands. Yeah, so www.spearfishing.com.au to enjoy that Easter sale and take advantage of some of those rock bottom prices and use the code NoobSpiro to save 20 bucks on all purchases over 200 bucks. Get in on it. Get in on it. G'day listeners, today joining us from Galveston, Texas is Ben Choi, a bloke who came on Noob Spiro's radar via the Freedivers Facebook page with a video and a story about Samba and Blackout. In this YouTube footage, Ben and a few friends are chasing mangrove snapper beneath an oil rig in about 70 feet or 20 metres of water. Uh, ben, have I got sort of those details right there? Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, and um, so that 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 Ben story on YouTube's received over one hundred twenty thousand um, views, and wow. I think it's it's brought a lot of awareness to the the um, spearfishing and freediving community about you know um, hyperventilation and, and and blackout in general, and it was really good of Ben to share that story with everyone. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you for having me. G'day, Ben. It's Turbo here, mate. Um, just to get started, why don't you fill us in with your background? Like, where did where did where and how did you get started spearfishing? Uh, so I started spearfishing about nine years ago um, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I, I actually been fishing a lot in my entire life since uh, middle school, uh, since I was about 13 or 12, um, and I uh, had always been wanting to catch some lobster. So when I moved to the east coast of Florida to Fort Lauderdale, um, you know, I started lobstering actively, and I noticed, you know, when I started catching these lobster, which I wasn't very good at catching, by the way, you know. <laughs> the antennas would break off and 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 all these hogfish would come in and then i thought to myself well hogfish are pretty good to eat so i should start bringing a spear gun with me so you know i, I started bringing a spear gun with me i started out with a, a 42 a uh, ab biller commercial spear gun you know wow and, and uh you know, top of the line stuff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even heard of it before. No, dude. I'm it's... sitting there going, 42 AV yeah. Billum. It's a similar, it's the same thing as our Sea Hornets. They're essentially, they look the same. Timber, uh, yeah. a bit of plastic yeah. on each end. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's where I started too, man. So I know what you're going through. <laughs> it's, a me- it's a metal tube with, uh, with oh, a muzzle and a mechanism. Uh, wow. <laughs> Beautiful. That sounds rough. So you started, you started hunting hogfish after that. How'd you go with that? 
You know, my first hogfish I shot was 13 inches, and I thought I was I was amazing, <laughs> and I was so happy. I took it back and I cooked it up, and it, and and I, hogfish honestly has been my favorite fish to spear ever since then. You know, I've shot all sorts of fish, but to me, to me, hogfish is is my favorite fish to spear right now, and, and since then. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they're an awesome looking fish, aren't they? Ah, oh, they're fantastic. We we don't get anything like that down here. No. We have sort of some comparable species that we love to chase as well, Ben. But they are really iconic fish for your particular part of the world, I think. And and they're really good to eat is is what I really get out of the whole thing. I mean, the meat is is as white as a piece of paper. Wow, you know, it's pure white meat. You mm. compare it to a snapper meat. I mean, the snapper looked gray, and the and the hogfish looks white. Yeah, yeah okay. Oh, wow. Right, so we, we chatted about your, your crap spear gun. <laughs> what what other sort of um, obstacles and challenges did you face when you got started? Um, I didn't have a boat, so uh, I, I started posting on, on a website called Spearboard. Um, okay. I'm sure a lot of spears are familiar with that. And, uh, and I started doing a lot of shore diving off of the beach, which, which I was very fortunate able to do that off of Fort Lauderdale. Um, Fort Lauderdale has some great shore diving and, uh, you, you can pretty much walk in the water almost anywhere and, and swim out about a hundred yards and you'll, you'll be able to shoot hogfish and mutton snapper and dog oh, snapper wow. and all sorts awesome. of stuff. Love so it. I was very fortunate to start in a, you know, in a, in a good environment. And, uh, so through spearboard, I met a bunch of guys who, uh, who use kayaks to get out to the, to the deeper reefs. And, uh, we went out with I, I was able to bum a kayak with a couple guys every other weekend and go out there and I started diving deeper, um, you know, and uh, starting to get more experience with my hunting, and and getting more bottom time and stuff like that and and just being able to observe how these guys did it and uh, how how they were able to you know stalk the fish and and really just swim against the current, <laughs> you know, swim against yeah. the thirty knot the three knot current. And still be able to shoot fish and still breathe up. So, um, wow. you know, that was that was some pretty amazing stuff that these guys had. Um, they sound like not like alpha male mentors, though. That'd be terrible for Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds flat there, though. Is it flat water? Uh, it's it's relatively flat. I mean, uh, Florida Florida is a pretty flat. I mean, it's compared to Texas. Texas is very windy. I think we probably have between sixty to eighty fishable days a year in texas and and compared to florida we probably have maybe 250 divable days a year oh that's awesome i'd say it does sound good to me clear water 100 yards off the coast Mm. yeah Yeah. flat water i'm not getting seasick yeah yeah i'll come for a visit yeah sounds good (laughs) doesn't sound too bad huh no that sounds good we're coming for a visit man we're already locked in we're staying at your place (laughs) (laughs) this is why we do the podcast bin All right. Um, could you share with us a story of, of your first – I mean, you did share with us a story about that 13-inch um, hogfish, but, I mean, have you got another sort of memorable fish that you'd love to share the story about? Yeah, you know, actually, I've shot a lot of fish and, 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 and a lot of different types of, you know, trophy fish, but one one really big trophy that sticks out in my mind is uh, is when I was – right when I was getting into spearfishing, I, I shot like a – 26 inch hogfish which is a pretty big hogfish probably you know eight eight or nine pounds um in in 30 feet of water right off the beach 100 yards off the beach um anyway it's not it's not like you're not supposed to be there (laughs) (laughs) wow that's cool it's not supposed to be there people people go to the bahamas or go to the middle grounds you know 140 foot of water on scuba people do that around here you know for that kind of stuff but people go to the bahamas for 10 pound hogfish you know they run 120 miles just to shoot a, a 10 pound hogfish but yeah. you know wow. it's, it's to be able to shoot that in 30 foot of water you know I, I used to have a setup where i would tow a boogie board and i'd cut out a hole with a yeah. uh, with a bucket like a five gallon bucket to put my fish and lobster in and then i also put a dive flag so i never got run over by a boat and i tow it behind me um and uh it wouldn't even fit in the bucket yeah wow. right. wow. sweet that's, so, a, that's a good day out yeah i mean i've shot bigger fish since then but you know that that first big hogfish man like when it's not supposed to be there and you're not expecting it i don't know there's something about you know not having high expectations and coming back with a with a big fish so 
you've shot a world record with a pole spear. Is that right? I have. Um, oh. I got a Jack Crevel, which is kind of a trash fish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit it. It's, it's a trash fish. Actually, it's not, it's not kind of a trash fish. It is a trash fish. Um, but they fight like hell, you know. Yeah. Um, and when it, when I shot it, it was in 350 feet of water. I, I dove down about 30 feet, and I, I stuck the closest one to me. And you know, um, it just happened to be big enough to be a world record. But as I shot it, I didn't get a very good shot on it. I, I went through and through to the gills, and it didn't slow down. And and any jacks, I'm sure you guys have jacks over there. Yeah. Um, you know, they fight like hell. Mm. And it went straight down to the bottom, and I only had a 70 foot foot float line, and uh, so I started pulling on it, and I pull, 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 and and as I was bringing it up, and it was pretty murky that day, it was like 20 foot visibility. As I start pulling it up to about 20 foot, 25 foot, I see this really sharp nose shark pursuing oh. it, and I was like, "That's a mako." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> So I like drop everything. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting bit for a Jack Crevel. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to die for this, you know. Um, so I, I just drop it, and, and like I was like, no, I'm done. So I, I, let, I let it, I let it, you know, swim around for a little bit, and I was like, go ahead and eat it if you want, Mako. Like, go ahead. And then you know, maybe five minutes later, I, I, I just pulled it up, and the Mako wasn't you. interested in you. Ma- the Mako was not. Interested. <laughs> <laughs> no one's interested in it. <laughs> he just liked you, Ben. I reckon. Yeah, I mean, God, I wouldn't want to eat those one of those things either. You know what did that What did that fish weigh in at? Uh, I do believe it was uh, twenty four pounds, and yeah. somebody recently beat it. And I'm going out very soon. You got to get that gotta, record back, man. That's, that's you know your what? Title. I like, I'm actually looking at the trophy in front of me. It's on my desk. It's actually today. January 19th to the day is the day I shot it. Oh, so it was a year ago. Wow. Yeah, exactly a year ago. You can't let this slip away, mate. you got to hold your title. You know, he only beat it by four pounds, so (laughs) I I, I feel pretty confident. (laughs) I'm really targeting the the trash can slam, is what we call it. Catfish, Jack Creval. (laughs) You're a prestigious kind of bloke, aren't you? You you know, I'm a true trophy hunter. (laughs) <laughs> Wins a win. We, we were actually going to do the same thing with the fish over here. Because, yeah. like, the um, the pole spear records for some of the Australian species are very approachable. Yeah. And they're non existent, even better. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we're actually probably going to look into that as well if we ever should, dig the pole spear should. out. Yeah. Well, we've got to pull the cobwebs off it because no one ever wants to use the friggin' thing. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I hate it, Big mate. Time. Honestly, you have no idea the relationship I have with this <laughs> extremely expensive piece of carbon fiber in my shed. Oh, man. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Ben, he started off with these grand ideas about oh. how good he was going to be with it and all these world records he was going to take down. And he used it twice. I think he, he packed like a couple of big wobblies. And uh, it, it just, that was it. I will say this, we've, we've got a mate, uh, Ben Harper, so a shout out to him, and he's very handy with a pole spear, and he's got a, I think he's got a $40 pole spear, and I've got a $400 pole spear, and he uh-huh. hit, he can hit anything with his pole spear, like he's unreal with the bloody thing, and he's like, man, when are you, you going to sell, sell me that pole spear? And I was like, you are never buying my pole spear off me, <laughs> ever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like throwing a toothpick at, at fish sometimes, I feel like. Yeah. Seems to move really slowly Slide. too. Mm. I actually got a, I got a, I got one custom made for me, um, and <laughs> and I really like it. Uh, it's made out of aluminum. It's not carbon fiber because the carbon fiber breaks a little bit too easily in the Bahamas on the big grouper. Okay, but uh, it, it, I, I I like this new one, and it's it's what I shot the world record with, and it's, it hasn't been it's held up for for two years now. So the Jack Crevel killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool, and and soon to be. Catfish killer. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. All right, so moving on, um, Ben, your hunting technique, what's your favorite spearfishing hunting technique and how do you apply it effectively? Um, you know, one thing I've learned a lot of is is, is on the rigs with these mangrove snapper. Um, you've seen it in that blackout video, um, and, I, and I use it a lot, is, is I call it waving at them, but it's, you know, you you kick down to about 
10 or 15 feet above where the snapper are holding and, and you kind of just do a really slow sink, um, you know, cause you're already in your sink phase by then. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you stick, I have white, I have white gloves and I, I reach my left hand out cause I shoot with my right hand and I reach my left hand out and I kind of just wave at them and I kind of move my fingers around and move my hand around and, and, you know, stretch, flex my fingers kind of. And, and the snapper here love it. I mean, right. they're so, it's like they, they, they be swimming away from you one second and they just turn right around and just swim towards you. I don't know. They, right. they really love it. So what do you call that? Have you got a name for it? You guys? I was wait, waving at fish. <laughs> oh, I thought you would have named it after yourself, actually. All right. <laughs> I reckon Ben might be just like like he's selling us a tall one here. Yeah. So exactly. all the Aussie all the Aussie guys are like in YouTube videos, and we're like doing the Queen wave at fish. I mean, just uh, in white gloves. Does it have to be white gloves? You know, I think the white really stands out in the water. Yeah. Uh, I've tried it with grey or black gloves. It doesn't seem to work as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and it's also very applicable with our our gag grouper in Florida. Um, I use the same technique, and and it, it's just a very slow drop. You know, you don't you don't bomb the bottom. You know, we we only spearfish in probably forty five to sixty foot of water in in, in Florida, so we, we're not you know we're not super deep. Yeah. So you can kind of bomb the bottom a little bit and and get down and shoot one and pop back up. You know, okay. um, if you just sink down really slow and and get in your sink phase and get kind of comfortable, um, the gag grouper just it, for some reason they just like dropping like like things that drop in the water column and they just look at you mm. and just shoot them through the head and then you just give them a wave and the poor old fish friend swims over to give you a greeting back and you shoot it it's <laughs> <laughs> one in the head <laughs> <laughs> all right oh. cool now that, that's really interesting we haven't heard that at all i mean i mean we talked to chris coates and he was talking about sort of um grunting at them as they the these sort of species as they swim in the opposite direction so now we've got grunting and waving so that's going to look uh, yeah pretty good for us that's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting i've tried the grunting it doesn't work very well for me really yeah, he was very specific about how to sort of employ the technique. He was kind of, and he was talking about like with snapper, you don't don't make any noise while they're looking at you, and then um, you know when when they do start looking at you, goes full silent, and you know um, it was he was pretty interesting. But then he had a different take on pelagics as well. So we'll tr- we're going to mix it up. We're going to try waving and grunting next time. <laughs> 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 All right, Ben. Um, I mean, we talked about it before the show started, but, um, you know, like you've become quite well known for a, a blackout video that's on um, YouTube. It's got over 120,000 views and it's quite memorable. You guys, you and some friends were, were diving a, a wreck, uh, sorry, uh, a oil rig. Um, where was that? Was that off off Texas as well? Yeah, it's off uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of oil rigs off of uh, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, um, you know, and and there's actually a declining amount because they're starting to cut them off um, oh, okay. as a navigational hazard to ships. But uh, I think they should leave them. Um, I mean, they're, they're tremendous ecosystems. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's enormous amount of coral growth, enormous amount of fish holding on them. And it's it's a real tragedy when they blow one up because you you see the pictures mm. and then there's thousands and thousands of snapper that just come up you know to the surface when they blow it up. Oh it's, wow! It's uh it's it's a real tragedy. Um, so there's a lot of you know there's a couple foundations working who uh, who have been trying to turn the rigs into reefs. Um, but it's 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 they're really really amazing ecosystems. Yeah, definitely. So what? How 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 old are these things? Like how long have they been there? Uh, you know, I, I don't exactly know, but I would venture to say that the the oil boom off of Texas happened in in 1950. So I I would not be surprised if some of these rigs were 40 40 to 30 years old, oh, wow. Um, wow. maybe even older. Yeah. And they've just been sitting down there collecting, you know, coral and barnacle growth, and 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 just holding fish. The 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 good part about this, these rigs, is that, you know, Texas has a mud bottom, so there's no natural bottom really to the Texas oh, okay. um, or Louisiana. There's not a lot of ledges and coral growth on the bottom. There are there's a little bit, but not not very frequent. Not like off of Florida or or Australia, you know, like you guys have. Um, so these these rigs have really turned you know into 
the coral reefs of, of Texas okay. and Louisiana. And so, you know, you, you see queen angelfish, barracuda, um, mm. you know, little Graysby grouper, strawberry grouper, all sorts of really cool mm. stuff. And, and it's just a real shame that they're cutting them off. Mm. So with your, with your scary moment um, on that rig, um, you can see a few, a few of those different species in there. But, I mean, could you share with us sort of the story about what happened to you on that day? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it just happened like any other day. Um, you know, we were just going out and uh, spearfishing the usual rigs that we were usually hitting. It's We're about 130 foot of water, but, you know, we're not usually going down that deep. Um, and these rigs, there's a tremendous amount of structure, um, you know, to support what's going on, what the oil companies need to do. It's, it's a lot of cross members and a lot of platforms at depth. And it's just a lot of structure to get hung up on. Mm. So I had been doing, I think it was my 13th or 14th drop of the day. Um, you, you can really see it on the on the YouTube video, my my, my YouTube video. But uh, I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes so people can use it as reference. But Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But the previous dive that I did, and, and we had been diving deep. Usually these snapper, when you roll up to a rig, the first two snapper you take off of the rig are super easy. They're really dumb. You know, you shoot them at 35 feet and you haul ass up to the surface and you're fine. Um, and then after that, they, they go down to about 60 and you shoot one or two more at 60 feet and then they'll go down to about 85 feet. Um, and that's, that's close to the bottom, you know. Um, and they don't like going any deeper than that because there's a murk layer on the bottom and they can't really see in that murk layer. So they like to stay in that clean water. Um, and so my, my buddy Sterling had just shot a mangrove snapper. Um, he went back to the boat, and I did the previous dive to 66 feet, and I came up and I felt fine. You know, I saw the snapper down there. I got close to them. I just didn't feel like pulling the trigger. Um, I came up, and then he got back in the water, um, came over to me, and he went down. I was doing my breathe-up, so he went down, and he shot a pretty big one. Um you know, he, he's he's a much better spear fisherman than me, so <laughs> okay. he he can he can dive a lot deeper and, and shoot a lot shoot a lot more fish than me. But uh, I so I was just you know hanging out on the surface, spotting him. He came up fine, and he had a big fish, stoned it, of course. And, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know probably like an eight or nine pound snapper. It was a very healthy snapper, and he goes, "All right, I'll stay around and watch you one more drop if you want to do one more drop," and then. Uh, so I said, okay, so I did I did about a four minute breathe up um before, you know, and uh hindsight's twenty twenty and and everything I've seen from the internet and and everything, uh I guess I hyperventilated um about seven times before I did my drop. Okay. And uh I went down. Everything seemed fine. I felt very comfortable. I, I maybe I pulled the trigger a little bit late in my breath hold, but you know, not nothing too extensive i went down to 71 feet which which is not too deep for anything that i'd done that day uh, um i've been doing you know high 60s low 70s all day yeah. and uh came up and uh shot the so i went down shot the fish and and i fought it and it was going straight for one of the structures so i had to fight it all the way up you know and and that's one of the biggest problems is having to fight these fish and looking up to make sure you don't hit your head on a cross beam. Cause that, that really hurts. And cut your head open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think about these, these cross beams are covered in barnacles, you know, they just tear you up. Yeah. Um, so you always gotta, you always gotta look up and that's not the best conditions for freediving. You know, you, nah, you, you always want to keep your head tucked, but you have to look up or else cut your head open. Yep. Um, and so I guess right about 20 feet to 15 feet from the surface, I knew I was in trouble. But, and, and, and I get that, you know, inhaling, exhaling kind of feeling in your nose. I, I panicked. I, I knew I panicked. Um, and uh, the last thing I remember was about one foot below the surface when I exhaled. And the next thing I remember is, is just waking up and, and sternly it's just like, tapping me like hey wake up wake up wake up you know and i'm like what are you what are you doing man get off of me you know like quit being quit being weird like, <laughs> <laughs> like come on yeah. i'm fine you know i just had some water in my mouth like quit being weird you know um and 
<laughs> and and he goes he goes man you just blacked out and i'm like no I didn't, I didn't black out like come on i was just i just had some water in my mouth i was just trying to get rid of it you know and he's like no you blacked out you blacked out and i was like no 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 i'm like well but he's like well let's just go back to the boat and we'll watch the footage on the gopro and, and he had my mask off within 20 i'm sorry two two seconds you know like you, oh. you can see the video it's it's probably as textbook of a blackout recovery as as anybody can get you yeah, know? he did really well. You know, a lot of people call it Samba because just because he was that close to me, he had me, he had me breathing within seconds. Yep. You know, um, but I, I'm sure you you can see the video, and then I start sinking. You know, mm. the, the go the GoPro is mounted pretty high on my forehead, and it goes below the waterline, and and I and I knew if if I had because I had no air in my lungs, you know, I, I knew if I if he was not there, I knew I would have sank and and, and definitely died. So. Um, well, well, I'm glad you're here with us today, Ben. So, what what sort of lessons um, did you get out of it, and what are sort of what's some of the feedback you might have got from other guys that they learned out of it? You know, as far as feedback, uh, it's very it's very exposing posting a video on the internet Definitely. for the entire spearfishing freediving world community to critique and comment on. Yeah, um, and and I was very hesitant too at first. Um, actually very, very hesitant because I knew what was going to happen. But, you know, I thought to myself, if something like this can happen to me uh, on a normal dive, you know, I, I need to make people aware of it. And, uh, I need to, I need to make sure that they know that anything like it can, it can happen. Yeah. So I, I really think, you know, as far as the hyperventilating con- is concerned, like, you know, yeah, I did it, but I don't, I don't know if that ultimately contributed to the to the end blackout um but i think the biggest takeaway story you know besides all the other stuff that everybody says is is to dive with a buddy next to you um you know to always have somebody watching your back when you come up and making sure that you you come to the surface take your take your recovery breaths and 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 are like okay i'm fine you know i like it without without that i don't think uh I don't think I'd be here right now. Yeah. And I don't think, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's the ultimate thing. You know, you, you can dive however you want. You can critique my diving, kicking patterns or wading <laughs> method or, you know, whatever my, my, I, <laughs> in my head's been so screwed up since this whole thing. Just, just thinking of all the different comments that people said. So why some people said I didn't inhale the breath in my mask enough or, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. But yeah, yeah. The, it, the bottom line, it comes down to, you, you need to have somebody there at the surface hey. for you. Because I, you know, I like your takeaway, man. I think that's great. You, you can do all those things wrong. You can do all those things wrong. But if you black out on the surface and you don't have a buddy there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, sweet. All right, so I've put down, you know, just like to put some takeaways in the show notes. I've put in there, you know, yes, maybe there was some hyperventilation involved and, um, you know, some recovery um, breathing techniques. You know, if you know how to do it, that can help you as well when you're in a Sambra or blackout situation. But the biggest one we got out of it was, uh, the, what I've written down here is dive with a buddy. It works, and he'll and and he can save your life. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that's that's like the biggest thing since I've had the blackout. I uh, I bought a freediver's recovery vest. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that product. Yeah, Terry, it's a Terry, Terry Mars thing, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, and uh, it's not only just because I want to be self sufficient. At the same time, obviously, I'll still dive with a buddy, but, you know, it's just that added level of safety, and it kind of just keeps my mind quiet as far as the whole blackout situation has gone, because it's it's been a, it's been a struggle to get back to the 70 feet. Um, I've been freediving a few times since then. I've been out diving, um, and I still haven't crossed 70 feet yet since since the incident so okay. it's 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 all in my head i know it's all in my head every dive i come up i feel fine but at the same time you know it's always in the back of my head now well, thanks for sharing that story with us again um those recovery vests from terry mass what are they worth sort of retail over there in the u.s uh, i think he retails them for uh 15 1500 $1, okay it's a big investment isn't it i i agree i mean you can get a 
get a lot of wetsuits for that much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to try and get Terry on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to talk more about the um, recovery vest, but yeah, no. He thanks. just came out with a, with a third version. Okay, I'll link that up in the show notes anyway, so cool. All right, um, we might move on to the Veterans Vault. Guys, if you're after more podcast action, go and check out our mate Jason Selms over at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. He talks all things hunting, shooting, and fishing. It's a great listen. He's getting plenty of downloads. He's big in Canada, South Africa, even Japan. It's fantastic. Jason talks to experts in the field on all things shooting, hunting, and fishing. It's a really, really good listen, so go and check him out, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. All right, so um, the Veterans Vault is a, is a segment of the show where we like to ask our guests to go deep into a specific area of their expertise, and um, we're going to stick with the theme of uh, diving oil rigs. So, um, yeah, first thing, Ben, sort of where, where would you, when you dive an oil rig, sort of explain that structure um, under the water for us? Okay, so uh, a lot of people think of oil rigs as... as- you know, above the surface, but, but what is above the surface? It's like an iceberg. What's above the surface is so, is so much less compared to what is below the surface. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a pyramid structure. Um, and, and they need pipes to go down and, and casing so they can, you know, pump the oil back up. And there's two, there's two types of oil rigs. There's fixed oil rigs, which are, which are what we usually dive. And there's floating oil rigs, which are in very deep water, and they're tethered to the bottom, um, but they're floating still. And that's where a lot of our pelagics, our tuna, our wahoo, uh, mainly, mainly tuna though. That's that's where the tuna and marlin, like that's where the big fish are. Um, you know, and those are usually in over a thousand feet of water. Um, wow. Our fixed oil rigs, you know, range from I'd say anywhere from eight hundred to to you know three feet of water. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, usually the oil rigs that we hit, it's very visibility dependent for us out of Texas. Um, Wherever you find good visibility, that's kind of where you start diving. So we we can start anywhere between 90 to, you know, maybe 130 130 feet. And uh, and usually somewhere around there, the visibility will be okay. But like I said earlier, there's, there's a tremendous amount of structure. There's a tremendous amount of growth on these, on these oil rigs and, and every, and all the fish are just so keyed in on on where the structure is and and where the where the pipes are and where the plat. So there's platforms that you know that they have running um, parallel to the sea bottom that are just a lot of structure and and that's where we get some of our grouper and that's where some of our snapper like to play. Um, that's usually at 45 feet. We call that the first cross beam. Um, because that's where the first structure is below the, the, the sea level. Um, and then usually the second cross beam is somewhere around 60 to 65 feet. And the third cross beam is somewhere around 85 feet. Um, and so when we, when we go down and shoot a fish, it scares all the other fish, obviously. Um, and then they usually push down for, you know, cross beam to cross beam. And so just, just give me an idea. All right. Say you're heading out in the boat. How, how far are they offshore? And, are they several close together? Like, if you're heading out in the boat, can you hit like three or four of these in a day, or are they? Much uh, it depends apart? on where you. It depends on where you are. Um, but where we go, uh, our our usual path is uh, north northwest out of Corpus Christi, and uh, so these oil rigs we run about 25 miles, which isn't very far for Texas spearfishing, but because of our north northwest track and the way that Texas is shaped on the curve. We're actually only about nine to thirteen miles offshore. Right. Um, so the, the the shelf drops off pretty quickly, um, but you know some of them are within state waters, uh, which is nine miles, and that's kind of a big deal for us because then we can shoot uh, red snapper 
off of these oil rigs, and uh, and those those are really good, tasty, tasty fish. Yeah, right. And and so you, you dive in these rigs, and you've got like three three levels of fish. What about um, do you guys use burley to bring those fish up levels up in the water column? Uh, you know, we we can. Uh, I've never had the I've never had the need to. Um, I guess we we should probably start doing that. Um. <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> Tune into the uh, Noob Spiro podcast episode twenty one <laughs> to get a really good insight into effective use of burley. <laughs> Shameless, <laughs> love it. Um, it. The problem is usually is that the current is running too hard to uh, to let the the chum hit the bottom or, or you know to attract any fish. Um, it's, it's kind of hard because the current usually runs at like a knot and a half to two knots yeah, right. and, and in those situations, you know, the chums out of the rig, cause these are very small. I would probably say that the usual rig at the surface level is probably 50 square yards. So maybe 50 meters in, right. in 50 square meters in, in certain, you know, in area. So it's not a big area, and okay. you have a two-knot current ripping through there. Mm. You know, it's it's it takes the chum off maybe a hundred yeah. yards off, yeah, of the, yeah. off of the rig, and that's by the time it hits the bottom. And that that uh, current that presents like risks in itself, doesn't it? So, are you guys running real guns, or you've got shorter float lines? Like, how how do you minimize the risk of tangle entanglement in these rigs? Uh, it's really hard. So you never really want to run a float line in the rig, um, just because when you get inside. So all the you want to dive inside the rig. So you want to dive. You're actually diving underneath the platform, um, and so to take a float line in there, you have the potential to get hung up on a lot of stuff. So we're all diving reels, um, and I've started to do. I, I've actually thought about doing it recently. Is, is doing a belt reel to reel, because um, sometimes you know your whole gun gets jammed up and then you know it would just be easier to clip a belt reel onto that too yeah. but uh usually we dive reels just straight reels um with very thick mono uh, sorry very thick uh um dyneema or spectra yeah. um our shooting lines are usually either 400 pound uh mono or or actually cable um uh-huh. because you know you, you get a, a snapper wrapped around that rig all it's got to do is pull or a cobia. And it's usually what we use the cable for is a cobia. You get a cobia pull, you know, wrap around a rig leg. Um, you're going to lose your whole shaft. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose, you're going to lose your whole rig. Um, so with the, with that cable, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to, to keep your fish, but at the same time, it, it really increases that entanglement aspect. And that's kind of sketchy part of it too. Um, I, I really do think that diving the rigs is really, inherently dangerous but mm. as you found uh-huh. out i guess yeah so, yeah <laughs> so w- when you're taking other other guys out that probably aren't familiar with diving structure what's some of the advice that you give them in the boat on the way out uh you know we we just tell them to to stick close to us um we, we give them small guns so they can't shoot big fish <laughs> <laughs> that way that way it saves them competing with you too <laughs> We give them a small gun so they can't shoot big fish, and then yeah. you know usually uh, you know we we do we do like to take some new guys out there, and 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 there's a spawn coming up. Um, we call it our, our snapper spawn, um, where the the red snapper you'll shoot twenty pound red snapper only ten feet from the surface. Wow, um, you know, and that's a really nice time to take the new guys out and get them get them really stoked on on shooting big fish, but. You know, maybe they don't realize that you can only do that twice a year. So, <laughs> yeah, right. before you mentioned, like, um, with so much structure around and you're heading up, and potentially you've been in the middle of the kind of the structure or whatever, you, you can hit your head. Yeah. And um, so that was another good insight into diving that much structure. Well, the, the only structure we sort of dive might be the odd, odd jetty or, um, oh, you know, wrecks. wrecks okay. Yeah, shipwrecks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we find that like the best fish will quite often be on the upcurrent side of, of, of wrecks. Do you get the same sort of stuff with um, wrecks? I, I agree. I agree. The uh, the bigger fish will always stage on the upcurrent side, yep. which makes it uh, even more of the pain in the ass to try yeah. to get them. That, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking you got all the structure in front of you. All the fish are on the other side of it, but you can't really set up on the other side of it because it's so dangerous. 
one uh, one good technique that we use is uh, is that when the current's really bad, these rig legs are are quite large. They're maybe you know five or five feet or four feet in diameter. Um, we'll uh, we'll just hide behind them. We'll we'll kick in the current till we get right behind them, and then we'll hide in the current behind them and grab on oh. to uh, to a barnacle or, or something behind them, and then we can do our breathe up there. But the problem is, is that once you dive, you know you're not you're not protected by it anymore, and then you got to kick against the current. But at least you get a good breathe up. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I like that. And and what's the go? You've done your dive. You're at the back end of the rig. What you just have the boat and you do another like essentially a drift or you guys? No, you you got to swim back up. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing it the hard way, man. I'd never do that. that Yeah, the the boat's tied off to the rig, so uh, the boat's not moving. Yeah, I guess no one wants to be boaty. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a fair call. All right, cool. That was a veterans vault. I really enjoyed that, Ben. Today's Veterans Vault was brought to you in partnership with Penetrator Fins. Spearfishing is all about self-improvement, but there are some things you can buy off the shelf that are going to help you with your diving. Penetrator blades are lighter and more reactive, and they've improved my diving, and I'm sure they're going to improve yours. Yeah, I've recently switched over to Penetrator Carbons, and it's made a big difference for me. I put much less energy in and get a much greater output, meaning that they're an effective fin. They're lightweight and comfortable, meaning that I spend more time on the bottom. So check out Penetrator Blades at penetrator.com or check out our new Noob Spiro Edition Penetrator Blade at noobspiro.com. So Ben, what's the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing? Have you got a memorable story? Uh, you know, I was looking through your your, your notes and, and one of the things I saw was a poo story and I got a pretty good poo story. Um, you know, I was heading back from the, uh, the Bahamas and, and, and that night, you know, I, I drank a little bit <laughs> and, 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 you know, I was just, just kind of just turning down there <laughs> and, uh, I said, guys, we got to stop. And he goes, man, we're in the middle of the Gulf stream right now. You know, the Gulf stream is a pretty big current, pretty fast moving current. Um, we're also in 9,000 feet of water. So I was like, I, I gotta go guys. Like. So I, I like, we stopped the boat and, and I jumped in and I dropped the wetsuit and you know took a dump in nine thousand feet of water. So you know I think that's the fastest moving and and, and deepest dump I've ever taken in my entire life. <laughs> Send it straight to England. <laughs> deepest. Okay, so I've taken some notes here, um, Ben. I've put churning gut choy. With the with the deepest dump in the world, <laughs> sent it straight to England. So that's I'm his, sure, that's sure his second English record. Will be impressed with that. He's got a Jack Cravel record and the deepest dump in history. <laughs> he's going for all the good stuff. He's breaking all the new Spiro records here. My, my my claims to fame right there. Oh, awesome! Churning gut choy. That's how I'm going to head up this episode. I think. <laughs> oh, all good, man. Um, Next question: uh, What is what's in your dive bag, head to toe? What equipment are you wearing on one of these sort of trips out to the oil rigs? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to preface this whole section. I'm not very big into gear. Um, okay, you know, I, I I usually get all my gear from one spot, and and I just trust Andrew pretty much to <laughs> tell me if it works or uh, not. He's, he's a good man; he'll look after you. Yeah, he's, he's Andrew's a good friend of mine, and and you know, I, I ask him. Well, what should I do? And he just tells me, "Okay, you need this. <laughs> and, and I buy it." So. <laughs> Keep it simple. All right, well, All right tell us what. Tell us the crappy soldier. A <laughs> <laughs> B um, Miller. So my 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 gun, my go to gun is uh, Andre Andre Spear gun. It's a Euro one twenty. Um, I've had this gun for for almost eight years now. Um, Andrew sold it to me eight years ago, and and it's it's been an amazing gun. Shoots very hard, you know. It's, it it doesn't kick any. It tracks amazing. Um, you know, it's just a very good-looking all-teak kind of gun. I, I like it a lot, and I don't think I would trade it for anything else. And it, it's class. Cool. Um, uh, that being said, uh, I also got the 144 Euro from Andre, and I use that for bigger fish when I need a little more kick. But for for my area and the visibility that I shoot the Andre 120, I think is a, is a very very good gun. Um, as far as, uh, my wetsuit, I use, uh, an, a Nautilus Mantis, uh, five mil, um, you know, it's got that Yamamoto neoprene and, and it's, it's kept me extremely warm in the winters. Um, 
and uh, it's probably the best wetsuit I've ever worn in my entire life. You know, I've, I've worn a lot of wetsuits, and, and it's as far as maneuverability, flexibility, and, and, and warmth. It's 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 a very good, very good wetsuit. Cool. Um, my mask. Um, I actually don't know what kind of mask I wear. Mm. Um, <laughs> I just showed up to Nautilus one day, and, and Andrew said, "Okay, you got a big face, so you're gonna wear this one." So uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's the it? story behind yeah, that. Love your own thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's a yeah. Uh, it's a big one. It's it's a big one. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris oh, Coates good. has got a small one, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome! I love it. That is good. So, some dudes we talk to are real, real gear guys, Ben. And um, me personally, I'm not a gear guy either. Although I kind of I know what I'm using most of the time. But um, I, I think I'm going to give guys advice that you know when they say, "What sort of spear gun should I buy?" It's a big one. Well, <laughs> 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 all good. All right, what what other sort of memorable bits of um, gear that do you really like? Uh, you know, I'm not like you know super big into the gear, but there's there's a few like gear items that really stand out. Is is that wetsuit, um, that gun, and then and then finally my fins is is these Nautilus carbons um, that that Andrew carries um, with these Bouchot foot pockets, and I, I really I cannot like say anything bad about these Bouchot foot pockets. Um, they're they're so light, they're so comfortable, they're so flexible. I, I used to have uh, other foot pockets before. I've gone through three different pairs. They give me blisters all over my feet. You know, they they're super heavy. Yep. These boot shots, they just feel like I'm walking on air. Hmm. Um, I can't really. You know, I I don't even use socks when I when I wear them. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah even even in the dead of winter. Um, when I went to the Bahamas last last month for three days. Um, you know. No blisters, and I didn't wear socks, and I was swimming on the surface, you know, probably 80% of the time. Yeah, you're so, uh, really, really a big fan of the, the Bouchot foot pockets. All right, cool. cool. Have to take that out. All right, Ben, um, now it's time for the Fast Five Facts for Noobs. So this is where we get you to give us a quick, rapid-fire, five pieces of advice for new guys starting out. So number one, uh, take a free diving course. Yep. Um, number two, don't put too much expectations on yourself. Okay. Uh, number three is uh, spears are still fishermen, so everybody lies. So don't <laughs> believe all the stories you hear. Love it. Uh, number th- number four is uh, dive with a lot of people in different environments. It'll make you better. Okay. And number five is know the risks involved in the sport before you start to step out of your comfort zone. That's really good. That's a great fast five. Brilliant. Who's going to read them back? Who took notes? Uh, I took notes, Turbo. Go. So number one was take a free diving course. Number two was don't put too much expectation on yourself. Uh, you prefaced that earlier with like um, Facebook and Instagram, like don't compare yourself. Number three was Spiros like fishermen, uh, or, or, and everyone's like Turbo, they all lie. Uh, number four, <laughs> d- dive with different people in different environments that will help you improve, except, you know, obviously don't dive with Turbo because then you find out the truth. Number five, be aware of the risks. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, he didn't you, talk about me for three of those. You did ask me to read them. So, <laughs> but anyway. All right. Cool. Thanks for thinking of me, buddy. So, hey, um, Ben, if you had a call to action to our audience, um, what would you like them to do? Is um, I mean, obviously, there's your video that's well worth having a look at. Um, it's got over 120,000 views already. Like, it's made a it's made a big impact, and I think people have learned a lot out of it, regardless of some of the perhaps negative feedback you've received. Have you got another call to action? Uh, you know, it's just one thing I really would love all your, your listeners to do is, is make sure that you get into a regimented buddy diving system. You know, and if, if you don't know what that is, I would suggest taking a free diving course. But but always, you know, have somebody on the surface, whether you're doing, you know, a rotation of two, one up, one down, or, or you know, two up, one down. You know, always – always have somebody on the surface to, to spot you and always dive with a buddy. Um, you know, it's, it's just a really, it's a really bad feeling, you know, no, like going, wanting to go home. I'm sorry, really bad feeling going home with 
with somebody that you know sorry, going home without somebody you know because because they they blacked out and you can't find them or having to look for them yeah, you know yeah. um and nobody wants that you know we we do this for fun we do this for for enjoyment and, and the adrenaline rush and, and i get it but you know it's at the end of the day it's it's our our obligation to our friends and our family to go home to them mm. and um you know and it saved my life having a buddy on the surface. So, you know, I'm sure it would save, it's actually already saved. Uh, you know, I've gotten a few private messages through YouTube and, 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 and Facebook saying, you know, Hey man, uh, you know, I, I started diving with a buddy on the surface, you know, and because of your video and I just want to, you know, you know, I blacked out the other day and, and, wow. and because I saw your video, it saved my life. So, oh, wow. What and it's it's messed with my head or it's messed with my diving or whatever. But at the you know at the end of the day, it, it, like even if it saved one person's life, yeah. you know, and, and it's it's all worth it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, all right, message. Ben, thanks for coming on the show, Ben. Um, really got a lot out of it. Really enjoyed talking with you about all things structure and oil rigs and um and your blackout experience. Thanks for coming and sharing with us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Um, you guys, you guys have a great show. I, I love the energy. I love, uh, I love your guys's, you know, fun little comments and everything. So, <laughs> cool, mate. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. All right. Take care. Shrek, why don't you tell our listeners how they can save some money on spearfishing gear? Well, Adreno have partnered up with Noob Spear to offer listeners twenty dollars off all purchases over two hundred bucks. And how do they take advantage of this deal, mate? Uh, listeners can use the code NoobSpiro at checkout online at spearfishing.com.au or they can use it in-store at the Brisbane or Sydney stores. Excellent. And that code is NoobSpiro. That's right, NoobSpiro. Thanks for listening today, guys. Hope you got a lot out of Ben's interview. It was pretty cool just thinking about diving these big um, oil rigs and stuff off Texas, like 130 feet of water with mud on the bottom. It'd just be a really sort of different diving experience from what turbo and i normally used to say hope you got a lot out of that next week we continue on with our 101 spearfishing series so turbo and i aren't doing into an interview but we're chatting about turbo's personal experience with cigarette poisoning now i've heard him whinging and moaning so look we go pretty deep into sort of what happens to you when you get cigarette poisoning and maybe how to avoid it and some possible treatment options it's a great chat join us Thanks for listening to today's show. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. To learn more about becoming a better Spiro, visit us at noobspiro.com and subscribe to our newsletter.